0: Hello everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Raymond Lowe, partner at Shundalamo & Co. Along with bringing you updates and critical events happening around the world, we are also fortunate to have the chance to touch base with our local ELA lawyers that practice on the ground in these jurisdictions. Today, We'll be travelling to Sri Lanka to find out about their latest development of employment laws. Joining me today is John Wilson from the firm of John Wilson Partners. John is the managing principal of his firm and is known for his wide expertise in all areas of Sri Lankan civil code, including employment law. Welcome to the show, John. Good to have you today.
1: Thank you, Raymond. It's great to be here on the show with you.
0: I understand that there's lots of developments coming from Sri Lanka, And I'd like to first start off by asking you this question about the minimum age of employment. Is there a minimum age of employment in Sri Lanka?
1: Yes, there is, Raymond. The minimum age of employment in Sri Lanka is currently 16. It used to be 14. The change from 14 to 16 happened on the 18th of January 2021, last year, when the minimum age of employment was increased from 14 to 16 years. This change necessitated amendments being made Several employment law statutes in 2021. The main amendment was to the general statute, that is to say, the general law which is directly applicable to the minimum age of employment. Now that legislation is is called the Employment of Women, Young Persons, and Children Ordinance. So pretty self-explanatory. And by the amending act, which was passed by the Sri Lankan Parliament in 2021, Section 13.1 of the act. Now reads as follows, that's to say, no child shall be employed except in accordance with the provisions of this part of the Act. Now prior to the amendment, the term child was defined to mean a person who is under the age of 14. This was amended to 16. Similarly, the term young person, which was earlier defined as a person between the ages of 14 and 18, was amended to mean a person between the ages of 16 and 18.
0: So, John, this minimum age of employment, is it a hard and fast prohibition, or are there any exceptions?
1: Well, there, there are two exceptions, but those are the only exceptions, and they're provided for in Sections 14.1a and b of the Act. What the exceptions are, are that a child may be employed by his or her parents in light agricultural or horticultural work, or similar work carried on by a member of the same family, but that is before the commencement of regular school hours or after the close of school hours. And the second category is that a child may be employed in any school or other institution supervised by a public authority and imparting technical education or other training for the purpose of any trade or occupation. I should mention that the law in Section 171 a specifically does provide that employment of a child in such a manner as to prevent the child from attending school in accordance with the provisions of any written law is totally prohibited
0: well you mentioned that the main change to the minimum age legislation is the amended employment of women young persons and children ordinance which resulted in the necessary amendments to the other laws what are the other laws that were amended
1: well because of the alteration of the minimum age of employment from 14 to 16 in the main act appropriate corresponding amendments had to be and were made to the Shop and Office Employees Act, the Factories Ordinance, and the Minimum Wages Indian Labor Ordinance. So basically, it's across the board, you know, it's the same rule that applies. These amendments were operative from the same date as the Amendment to the Employment of Women, Young Persons, and Children Ordinance, which, as I said, was the 18th of January 2021.
0: I see. Now, I understand that it has been a busy year for Sri Lanka, as far as employment laws are concerned. Now, apart from the minimum employment age, Sri Lanka has also undergone some other employment law changes recently. Could you elaborate on these other employment law changes?
1: Certainly, Raymond. What I can say is that 2021 certainly was an extremely unusual law with six amendments to employment law legislation and an entirely new statute dealing with retirement age. So in addition to the four amendments relating to the minimum age of employment that I talked about just now, two other amendments were made to the employment law statutes of Sri Lanka in the course of 2021. I'll deal firstly with the National Minimum Wage of Workers Amendment Act, that's Act number 16 of 2021, which was operative from the 16th of August last year, by which the monthly or daily national minimum wage was increased to 12,500 Sri Lankan rupees for the monthly minimum wage and 500 rupees for the daily minimum wage. That's about Well, we've just had a a bit of a devaluation of the Sri Lankan currency, but I think that's about 42 dollars 5 for the monthly wage and about $1.7 for the daily wage at current official rates of exchange. Next, I'd like to deal with the Employees' Provident Fund Amendment Act, number 23 of 2021. Strangely, though it was certified by the Speaker of Parliament on the 13th of October last year, it contains provisions that it will be operative from a date to be appointed by the minister by order published in the Government Gazette. As far as I can tell, no order has been published yet in the Gazette. Before I speak a little about the changes which will be brought about by this amending act once made operative, I think I should mention to our audience what Employees Provident Fund is. The fund collects contributions currently at the rate of 12% of the monthly salary of an employee, which has to be mandatorily paid by the employer and The employer also is required by law to deduct 8% of the employee's salary and pay it into the account of the employee with the provident fund. Now, the fund invests all the monies, and if the investments are sound, the fund grows and the employees receive interest. And the accumulated monies in an account of the employee are basically a form of superannuation scheme, which the employee can withdraw on retirement.
0: Now, zooming into this employee's uh, provident fund amendment, if and when it becomes operative, will there be any change to these contributions or to the benefits to the employees generally?
1: No, there won't be any change to employees generally, but once made operative, what the amendment does is that it excludes what the legislation, the new legislation, refers to as detached workers from the definition of the term employee in the Employees Provident Fund Act. So the effect of the amendment to the EPF Act is that where there is a bilateral agreement between Sri Lanka and another country, which provides exemptions to citizens of one country working in the other country on temporary assignment as detached workers from contributing to a social security program in the other country, then the detached worker is exempt from making contributions to the employee's provident fund. So if you, say, had an Indian worker working here and there was an agreement between Sri Lanka and India, The Indian worker would not be subject to uh, employees' provident fund deductions, and the employer here would not have to pay employees' provident fund contributions. A detached worker is uh, defined in the amending legislation as an international worker on a temporary assignment in a covered employment. Now, I would say about covered employment that that covers pretty much every employment in the private sector. And obviously, as I said, there has to be a social security agreement between Sri Lanka and the country from which that employee is from. Now, I'm sure that you and the audience will appreciate that inasmuch as such a detached worker is excluded from the definition of the term employee, it follows truly that the employer in Sri Lanka would not be required to make contributions in respect of such worker either. So there's no payment by the employer of EPF and no deduction of employee contribution.
0: Now, John, you mentioned earlier about bilateral agreements. Are there any in place currently?
1: Ah, that's a good question, Raymond. I don't have that information at this time. You know, I'm to the Ministry of Labour and the Ministry of External Affairs asking if there are any such agreements. And I will be posting an update on the website of my law practice once I receive the information. You know, for those who would like to know about this, the website of John Wilson Partners is accessible at the address www. Sri Lanka law, that's all one word.com.
0: Great. Now, you mentioned earlier that in addition to the six amending statutes, there had been one entirely new statute. Now, can you talk to us about this new legislation?
1: Sure, Raymond. The new legislation is very interesting and I think merits uh, particular mention and consideration. Its title is the Minimum Retirement Age of Workers Act, number 28 of 2021, and it came into force. On the 17th of November 2021. In setting out the uh, objects of the Act, the preamble of the Act states that it is an Act to provide for the minimum retirement age at which an employer may retire any worker and for matters connected therewith or incidental thereto. What's immediately apparent is that, you know, whereas normally the normal concept of retirement is a cessation of employment that occurs automatically and ipso facto upon an employee attaining a particular agreed retirement age without any further act on the part of either party, what the act contemplates, the new act, is an employer virtually terminating the employment of an employee upon the employee reaching the age of retirement. The act prohibits an employer covered by it from retiring an employee prior to him or her reaching the statutorily mandated age. So in other words, employers covered by the act are prohibited from treating an employee as having retired unless the employee has reached the minimum mandated age in terms of the new legislation. Now,
0: John, you referred to the Minimum Retirement Age Act. And I would like to ask you, are there any employees that are excluded from this act?
1: Yes, there are certain categories of employees that are excluded. But before I come on to that, I think I should just basically set out at the outset, what the general rule is and what what the Act is is seeking to achieve to do. Section 2, which sets out the general rule, states, and I'm I'm going to read from the Act because that's probably the clearest way to go about it. Section 2 says, notwithstanding the provisions of any other written law, a contract of service, a collective agreement, or any other form of contract of service, the minimum retirement age of a worker who has not attained the age of 52 years on the date of operation of the Act, or who is recruited after the date of coming into operation of the Act, shall be upon such worker attaining the age of 60 years. Now, for a worker who has attained the age of 52 years or above on the date of coming into operation of the Act, the minimum retirement age is determined in accordance with Schedule 1 of the Act, and there are various retirement ages depending on the age of the employee at the time of coming into operation of the Act. I won't go into all of that detail, but it's comprehensively set out in the schedule to the Act. Bizarrely though, I would say no minimum retirement age has been stipulated in the case of those who have attained the age of 55 years as at the date of operation of the Act. And I'd say this is a significant drafting lacuna. I'd also mention that the new provisions coming back to your question, Raymond, are only applicable to certain categories of employers in terms of Section 3 of the Act. So Section 3 provides that any employer who employs 15 or more workers shall not retire any worker other than the workers specified in Schedule 2 of the Act and any worker engaged in any trade or occupation as shall be prescribed by regulation from time to time in keeping with the nature of the work until such worker attains the minimum retirement age. Yeah, very
0: comprehensive as well, John. Well, John, any other concluding uh, remarks you know, to guide employers on how to navigate through these new sets of legislations?
1: Well, obviously, I think the minimum retirement age is fairly fundamental because that is going to affect existing employment relationships. So I would say, uh, you know, if you've got employees here, it would be probably worthwhile taking uh, local legal, legal advice. Uh, that's good advice.
0: Well, Mr. John Wilson, It has been my pleasure to have you on this show. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you for taking your time to share your views with our listeners.
1: Thank you, Raymond. It's been a pleasure.
0: If you would like to connect with John Wilson, please click on his biography in the description of this podcast. Also visit the ELA website at ela.law, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library or assess the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You have been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Raymond Lowe. Thank you for listening.